0: Hello and welcome to the Code of Career podcast. My name is Cameron. I'm a former technical recruiter turned software engineer.
1: Hi everyone. My name's Colin and I'm a senior software engineer and former instructor at CodeClan.
0: Cool, cool, cool. So how are we doing today, Colin, uh, on
1: this fine
0: and cold Monday evening?
1: Pretty good. Um, I'm kind of kind of liking the slight darkness and the, the nights we're getting a little bit. Like It means that I can turn my LEDs on here and you can actually see them. So, you know... I can fiddle with the buttons, and we can make pretty colours later on if you if we get bored. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, to be fair, I've got RGB on my uh, ring light as well. But the cold and the dark and the rain—that uh, is the words of a man who is not playing grassroots rugby uh, because uh, <laughs> I, I can still barely feel my fingers from Saturday. Uh, like they're they're, they're sore, thought uh, <laughs> so oh they were going to drop off. Um, as long as your
1: head's okay, that's that's the main thing.
0: The head's okay, yeah. I mean, a bit of behind the scenes with Coda of It's always um, on Sundays we're planning on recording and there's always a bit of a caveat of uh, as long as Cam doesn't get a knock to the head. Um, so <laughs> we're all good. Although well, you dropped a can of paint on yourself, didn't you, recently? So, uh, How did you, clear, did I tell you about that? Yeah, I we had that. to delay the podcast because of it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I was, paint, I was painting the porch and I had just finished painting the porch, doing all the painting and i set the can on the on the uh i set the can of paint on the on the, the um, ladders and i like they have a table on them and i've lifted the ladders and then the paint got knocked and went right on oh god what a nightmare i'd yeah, say it happens the nightmare. best
0: of us but i've avoided painting and decorating for my 27 <laughs> years on god's green earth so i've painting I, and decorating I, it, is yeah. awful <laughs> Yeah, it's give me popping. CSS uh, over uh, yeah. painting and decorating any day. And speaking of uh, code, actually, um, yep. to tee you up a little bit, I'm quite excited for this one. Yep. It's a, what really is, uh, and it's the difference between software engineering and coding, and a bit of a callback to your first appearance on this podcast. Um, do you want to intro a little bit about what you mean by that and how it's, it's almost your trademark thing?
1: It kind of has become that, isn't it? I think I said I think I think said something like something like software engineering is you know coding is not software engineering but uh software engineering is coding um but basically what we're going to talk about today is is we're going to talk about the, about the differences between the two and i think the kind of reason that i said it and the re- reason why that was a really interesting discussion point is because as somebody who's like been teaching you know junior engineers and m- mentoring junior engineers and you know, being an instructor in a boot camp and things, I learned that a lot of people sometimes think that once they learn to code, like that's it, like you've learned to code. Mm-hmm. Check, I can now code, and and in some cases, that's true. Like there is a lot of truth behind that because like learning a code is kind of like learning how to ride a bike. In some respects, once you know how to do it, you'll 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 never forget. You you'll get rusty if you don't keep up to date, and that's definitely a thing. You, that, that happens, but once you've like came over, overcame that kind of like initial like aha moment in your head for the first few times when you're learning a code for the very first time, no one can ever really take that away from you. Um, but one thing that is really important to understand that is that you're going to spend like a year or six months of your life learning how to code, but then you're going to spend the rest of your life, the rest of your career, essentially trying to master that. And that's the really important point that I wanted to try and want to try and get people to understand is that is that coding is just one part of like software engineering as a whole.
0: Mm, Yeah, that's certainly true. And it's one of the things that I've never been able to properly put into words until you came on the Mm -hmm. pod and explained that, because there's definitely, you know, there's coding like a means to an end, like a loop is a loop, a variable is a variable, you know, these basic concepts remain the same in almost entirely uh, across all major programming languages. But the um, the craft, uh, like I know some people call themselves a software craftsman, I personally wouldn't. Um, but hmm. like the craft of being a software engineer is very different to actually physically writing some code. I mean, you know, uh, we have some show notes before, before we go on this and um, like for example, you, you said so a quote from those notes is a simple Python to crunch some numbers. Like it's all well and good writing a bit of that and that is great and that's awesome if you've learned how to do that but how can we apply those principles to create modern scalable systems that we can use for some kind of enterprise um, application something commercially useful
1: yeah ex- exactly so that, that the point about the about a little bit of python is really is really a good one because you can learn python as a first language and a lot of people do but it's totally fine if you just want to learn enough Python to be able to crunch some numbers or pull some data, a CSV, like do some basic mathematics on those on that data, transform that data somehow, stick it in a different file. And oops, you don't have to have a tremendous amount of like really like extensible software engineering knowledge to be able to do that. But if you then wanted to then say, for example, take that little demo application that pulls Pulls and pushes some some data around, and in and out of CSVs and spreadsheets and text files or or whatever it is you're doing, and then you wanted to turn that into more of a fully fully fledged application that has maybe has a UI, maybe has a, a proper database, maybe has like a proper backend. There's actually like tons and tons and tons and tons of things that you have to do to to take that little almost like that little idea or proof of concept or little script, if, if you like, really. And turn it into a fully fledged application and 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 I think like in some respects we're- i'm gonna kind of give you two definitions of of like what a software engineer is versus a coder and the first one is really is this is this this one that we want to hit on and the first takeaway point is this is that you said it's about craft about crafting and, and code craft, and that is the idea that you're making code that isn't just something that you can just like write and then run once and then you run it again, and then you run it again, and you just keep rerunning that little block of code. It's more about how do we make that piece of code so that it can be maintained easier? How do we make it so that it can be reused, but re- reused in a way that's gonna be helpful? I mean, like, I'm just sort of thinking back to the amount of times that someone's said to me, oh, you wanna, you wanna do X, Y, Z? Oh, all you gotta do is you pull this repo, you switch, check out this branch, you like find this file, you run that file, and then that gives you this fi- this other file. And then once you t- once you've got that other file, you then run this other file on that. And then you're you're essentially like like doing a thing by running a bunch of random scripts that someone's put together that like aren't related or connected in any like in any like suitable or like well thought out way. Because what they've done is they've like built a bunch of scripts and just stuck them together, but they've not really thought about like how would I make this how I turn this into like a product that mm. someone can use or maybe not even a product but like a tool that someone can use in the organization you know could i put a web front end on this and make it so that like everyone else in the org can like use this little tool without having to like clone a repo ch modify, a file run the file run the other file and then like you know all that sort of thing and that's about extensibility and that applies to like little, little small projects and it, it applies even more to big projects And then the other one is testability, being able to make sure that something's testable. um, Kind of speaks for itself. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a little while. And then there's reliable, which means that it can run reliably. And that's a lot lot more to do with how it runs and where it runs and all the rest of it. Like, does it run on a mobile phone app? Is it like a little Python script that, that just runs on a server? Does it run on your machine? Does it run on someone else's machine? Does it run in the browser? Like, where is this thing actually running? And then the biggest one that that, that people tend to get get in a lot of trouble with is extendability. And for little little tools that you're running locally, you might not want to extend that into some bigger application. It might just be fine that you've got that Python script and it does that little thing as your tool. But for the most part, we're not always making tools. For the most part, we're making applications. We're making things that do stuff for our users. So all of these, all of these kind um, of kind of traits—maintainable, reusable, testable, reliable, and extendable—they're all much more important when it comes to building code for our users. Building code that's going to do something uh, and serve some sort of some 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 sort of business value. And um, yeah, like I think those like those have been. You'll have heard of like the Solid Principles. Have you heard mm-hmm. of those? Yeah, I I talk about those a, a, a bit. When I talk about this sort of stuff, but I tend to kind of avoid them because when I'm doing this, like initial, like software, what what is software engineering? Because software solid principles principles are really technically for primarily for object oriented programming. They're not; it's not for generic programming. You can apply a lot of the solar principles to both functional and non functional code, and object oriented code, obviously, but. Um, I kind of tend to take a little bit more of a high level. Like, you want to make stuff that's maintainable, reusable, testable, reliable, extendable, and all the basically all the ables apply all the, take all of the ables, and that's what you want your your code to be like. Now, as I said before, you don't want to you don't ne- nearly you don't need to make your little Python script that spits out that spits out nicely formatted JSON for your little tool that you're running locally. That doesn't need to be any of those things, but when it comes to the, taking some of, something like that and then building it into a bigger project, you you're, you definitely want to you definitely want to do some of that stuff, and mm. we'll give you a little bit of insight. How?
0: Your first point really interests me actually because it's kind of like the uh, the DIY don't don't repeat yourself philosophy. Um, most people yeah. think of that in context of a single file or script or whatever, or uh, but actually, don't repeat yourself could be extended to uh someone having to constantly over and over and over do a manual process externally whether you know as you said like um go go and clone repos like mess about run mm-hmm. different files then move on to a new file and um, chmod something and you, you know it, even for an engineer that's a headache whereas and like you say like the diy process probably usually would end in a result like a front-end um application uh, of of some kind and that's why well i mean that's why internal tools uh, is such a big area like uh, we don't talk that much about our day jobs on this but um, you know my day job I just work on internal tools all uh, day and ah, day right. out. I love it okay. I find it really interesting and you know making everyone else in the organization's life easier is, is actually quite a nice thing to do
1: yeah it definitely is I mean and it's interesting that you do that because and this is like a really interesting little segue that we didn't intend on speaking about but companies that prioritize building of internal tools a lot of respect for that that's a really good sign of a company that's that's willing to do engineering well because ultimately you you can't build good software for your for your customer if you're not able to take the time to build good experiences for your developers um let's kind of kind of goes without saying that even though it doesn't happen everywhere that spend a bit of time building something that you're gonna reuse again and again and again as an internal tool, um, whether it be like some internal facing web web app or like an internal facing like bunch of scripts or command line. We we've got we've got we've got tons of command line tools in in the place of work. And um I think there's so many that there've people have like reinvented the wheel several times because it's quite a big org. But that's okay though, and there's some really pretty nifty command line tools you can, you can get for like lots of cool things. Like we we've got all of our, we've got all of our stuff for, for example, connecting on like, connecting to Kubernetes and checking the status of the clusters on Dev and checking what the pods are doing and looking at logs. And there's like web web app tools for building entire services. It's really really pretty cool. So the amount of things you can you can turn from little simple little simple experimental products Mm. and full-blown applications just using some just applying the same software engineering smarts that you would to your to your your developers as as you so as you would your customers to your developers and it can it can go along it can go a long way um
0: I remember you yeah, saying really CodeClan cool. used to have a, a command line script to literally set up a machine, which I always thought was pretty cool. And I think that yeah. is actually available on GitHub. So people you it want to is, check it out, It's uh, actually open
1: source. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: In fact, actually, it's a bit earlier than usual, but we're splicing the CodeClan <laughs> advertisement now. Um, Absolutely. And, uh, people can find out a bit more about them. The Coder Career podcast is brought to you by CodeClan. As the only coding bootcamp in Scotland, CoClan is a fantastic way for people in Edinburgh and Glasgow to learn to code in person. And if you're elsewhere in the UK, you can still benefit from their remote cohorts. With over 1,500 graduates, 70% of which get a full-time job within six months at one of CoClan's 390 hiring partners, CoClan is a fantastic place to make a change in your career. CoClan is also making great strides towards reducing the gender gap in technology. With over 25% of their alumni now being female, with this rapidly growing. With average starting salaries of around £30,000, a world-class curriculum and a forward-thinking organisation, CodeClan is the place to be. As a former senior instructor at CodeClan,
1: Colin can tell us even more. Yeah, absolutely. CodeClan is an absolutely phenomenal um, place, place to be, place to work, place to study. It's a coding bootcamp and it does full-time professional software engineering and data courses. Um, The software engineering course is called the PSD and the data course is called the PDA. Um, both these courses are 12 to 16 weeks full-time. They are fully instructor-led, which is 100% instructor interaction. That's one of the things that really sets them apart from other other courses that you can take. For example, you can do quite a lot of courses online for coding and software engineering that are not instructor-led and are maybe through like a learning platform. Whereas CodeClan stuff, whether it's remote or in person, they're fully instructor-led. You can literally stop the instructor halfway through a lesson to ask a question. And, and if anything, that's actually that's actually encouraged. The whole course is designed to take someone who has very little experience all the way up to a junior software engineer such that they're able to, to become a junior software engineer in an organization. And the course hits on all of the basics, uh, mostly around Python, JavaScript, Java, but as well as that, the software engineering principles and all of the really important fundamentals behind software engineering and coding and clean code, that all gets taught in this interactive, immersive way at CodeClan. One of the great things, other great things about CodeClan is that people often say, can, can I learn like Rust or can I learn Swift or something like that? You actually can't like learn tons and tons and tons tons of things on the course because there only is so much time and there only you can only fit in so many like languages and skills, but one of the great things about it is that it gives you the ability to learn those things later on. It doesn't just say here, here's React and here's JavaScript and whatever else, and then off you go. The instructors that you you get on on Codeclan are are so helpful, and they're so good at knowing exactly what people are thinking and feeling at various points in the course because it is a very intensive course. And um, but at least there's between two to four instructors per class, and that's for both remote classes and in-person classes and everyone learns in the in the cohort at the same pace which is excellent it's really good to know that for example the way that they teach on the course which is so important to me the way that they teach is that they they use a lot of what we call code alongs and a code along is where an instructor kind of quite slowly and methodically codes out something in front of the class whether it's on zoom or in person in the classroom And then the class slowly like code that thing together. We call that a code along. And that's actually a really powerful way to learn because you're seeing the actual coding process happen in front of you, but you're also being taught at the same time. And as a participant, as a student, what you can actually do is you can stop and you can have a conversation and you can ask questions. CodeClan is kind of a life changing thing. I've seen dozens and dozens and hundreds of people go through it in the time that I was there. And it was genuinely, genuinely life changing for for every single one of them. Um, they managed to, you know, get jobs as software engineers, you know, junior software engineers in the industry. And even now, uh, being a couple of years uh, ago that I worked there, I know many of the people I know are now mid mid level, kind of senior level engineers. So it's having a huge impact on people's lives and in a way that I couldn't even I couldn't even describe. It's pretty awesome. Um, To get more information about CodeClan, go to codeclan.com and slash events, codeclan.com slash events to learn more and to register for a workshop. The workshops that they do are kind of like a way of you figuring out if you want to come along to CodeClan and join join up and and do the course. And it's a really great way of figuring out if if this is the sort of thing that's going to be useful to you. Please give it a try. If you're thinking about it, I highly recommend it. It's absolutely fantastic genuinely life-changing. Okay, yeah. So CodeClan is awesome. Uh please check out the website. And just before that little split, we were talking about the laptop script that they've got, which is a really good, really great laptop slip laptop script. If you if you get a brand new MacBook Pro or any kind of Mac actually and you and you you wanna you wanna get into engineering. Uh, I think it, I think it's github.com slash slash laptop from what I remember. If I've got that right, I should get some sort of prize. Um, <laughs> GitHub.com/slash. Links in slash... the
0: description, regardless. So you yeah, can yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the correct,
1: li- the correct link is in the description. <laughs> githubcom slash client slash laptop and they've got a really cool laptop script. You run that bad boy, and it turns your machine into a fully fledged uh, dev machine. Pre- I'm pretty sure it still it still works. I don't know if they use it as much as they used to, but it def- we definitely used it a lot when I was there, and it's it's really great. It gives you all the tools you need to to dev stuff. Um, Okay, so like back onto the the kind of main topic in in hand here. We're talking a bit about we're talking about um what is software engineering and and how does it differ from coding? That that's kind of where we're going with this episode. And um, what I want to really get over is as we write, as we write um small reusable parts of our code, which is something we should be trying to do, they'll big they'll build up to become bigger features and. These small reusable parts might have quite a lot of logic in them, and as a result, like for example, you might have some some meth some method that that um, you might have some method that that does quite a lot of stuff. But you can you want to be able to make sure that thing's working exactly how you want. So this is where this concept of testability comes in. Um, you want to make sure it's tested. So if you want to make sure something's te- test, test test testable, that means that you have to kind of almost break it down so that you can check the result of that that chunk and have and have a value returned from it. Um one thing just quickly is um a lot of mistake that a lot of people make particularly when they're building command line tools is they they'll they'll do and I'll talk about this in a bit more in a minute, but they'll do a lot of the printing out to the command line like inside the logic of the thing that they're building. And what that means is if you've got some method that does something like compares to compares, like uh, let's say you've got, let's say it's a card game example where you've got um, you've got two cards, you want to compare it, you compare, compare these two cards and tell, tell you if they're the same card or find out the difference between them. Then what a lot of people do is they get that method to like, to print out the val- that value rather than returning it, which, and then having it printed out. And that's just such a big, big, big learning piece when you're when you're figuring out how how to go from just being a coder to being like a software engineer and use some software engineering principles. And as I mentioned before, the SOLID principles of are for primarily for object oriented design. That's if you're using things like Java, JavaScript, like Python, and those languages, then then SOLID principles can apply a, a lot to them. Um, and one of the biggest most important ones that i want to highlight out of that is the s which stands for single responsibility so single responsibility is is my favorite of the solid principles and it basically says that one thing one class one method one function should just do what that one thing it shouldn't do any more than that um an example of that is something like what we like like what i said a minute ago having something do perform a calculation or um taking some value changing it around and then rather than what a lot of beginners that don't understand that that rule that that single responsibility rule do is they have that thing printed out so in the function they go do my calculation print it and then have then the function returns nothing what you want to do is you want to have take that take the values in do the crunching on that on that on that value do whatever needs to be done and return it and then the thing that calls it can then do the printing or it can yeah. be passed back up the chain and have it have it done like that and what we're really talking about there is what's called co- what what's, what's called the difference between tight and loose coupling and tight coupling is is when we've got something that it tries to do everything in what at once, right, and anyone that's ever written written any piece of code that's beyond a basic kind of a beyond the basic because it's like hello world or or a little bit more complicated than that you'll find as you start to learn how to code you you find that what happens is is your code ends up you end up putting everything into one function or any everything goes into one method and and then you run it and you're like, this is great, it works, and then you realize that. It's really confusing, or you've you've done it, but you you go to read the code and you don't quite understand it, and you're kind of cocking your head to one side to try and read it and you're thinking it made sense at the time doesn't make sense now, and the reason for that is because you need to try and abide by the single responsibility rule, which is if I've got a method that like adds these two values, it just adds these two values it doesn't it doesn't add these two values and then send the, the value to another server it It just adds those two values. And then you return that and then you have another method that says send it to the server, do whatever it is you want to do. Um, you know, someone have, actually
0: have you, commented on TikTok about solid principles the other day. I don't know if oh, yeah? you saw that. Um, it was one of the ones where it was like the concepts explained using Earl series. Uh, yeah. And um, it was one where, oh, what was that explaining? Um, was it the
1: dry? You were talking about dry on TikTok with Error once.
0: Yes. Yeah. With, uh, yeah, I was talking about dry. Uh, And then someone commented on it saying, um, so you can use uh, dry to like have a function to feed Earl about whether it's like wet food or dry food or dinner or lunch or whatever. But Mm. because of solid principles, um, he obviously didn't know my name. So he was like, you can't use that function to feed Earl's owner. Um, which is a very good point because it's a different process, and uh, <laughs> you know, you're not abiding by the single uh, by the single rule there, which uh, I thought was cool. And actually, I might, I might actually cool. steal that for a TikTok. So, I, if you are listening, I will tag you in that TikTok. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is cool. But then I could I could argue this, is, and this is where the solid principles get quite wacky, right? And don't get me quote all of them because that would put me embarrassing on, on the spot. I think I know I think I know most of them. Um, the, one of the more interesting ones is the lit, L the Liskov the Liskov substitution principle. And this is perfect for what you just said, right? The left the Liskov substitution principle says that if you've got two objects that are different, then you need to figure out if you want if you want to allow those objects to be replaceable, right? So let's say you've got a method, okay, and it takes an object um, as its argument. Uh, you pass that object into the method, and then let's say the method is, in this case, for your example, the me- the method is is feed, but the object is Earl. You pass in Earl, right? And then let's say the, the 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 method is still feed, and it doesn't take a uh, Cameron, okay? Yeah. It Doesn't take an object of type Cameron. But what you can do, and you 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 can do this much more much easier in things like Java c sharp c plus plus like and uh, a bunch of other statically typed languages as you can make the cameron object and the earl object you can make them like we call it polymorphic it's a big word that means that they are the same that they have that they share a type basically it's like it a type can...
0: TypeScript, or is that different
1: um it's a bit different from that Um it's a bit it's kind of similar yeah you can you can treat type unions the same, mm-hmm. but this is more to do with like you either use inheritance or they have, have them share interface. And um, what you could do is you could say, right, well, I want to make my Cameron object feedable and I want to make my Earl object feedable. And then I rewrite the feed method to not accept Cameron, but and not accept Earl, but accept, instead accept an object of type feedable. And because Cameron and Earl are both feedable, that's me abiding by the Liskov substitution principle, which means that I can take two objects that are the same, that are different types but the same base type, and then pass them in. But you. And this is why it's like
0: bug here, though, because either Earl gets a takeaway pizza and I get cat food, like. Well, that's to where that's it. It as we well test Yeah, that's <laughs> that's
1: where you need to that's where you need to kind of be a bit careful about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Object oriented programming is a bit wacky like that, and. Um, but it's 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 something that definitely applies a lot more to like like C sharp and Java and all the rest of it, and yeah, it's single responsibility. Note, I,
0: I was actually saying that uh, on TikTok the other day, um, where C sharp is like one of the most underrated languages for people to learn. Like it's very cool. How many jobs there are on the market? It's quite a well liked language. You can get into stuff like gaming via unity there's actually a lot you can do with it and because it's relatively syntax-wise similar to java it's fairly easy mm. to learn what uh to, to to learn each of them um so it's a, it's an underrated one it's funny because people tend not to talk about it and actually it's um you know it's a good one to learn like i would say in uh most of my exposure in the tech industry c-sharp seems to be hiding in everyone's tech stack somewhere
1: i've used it once for a project years ago um and back then it was it was awful, but it was more or less it was more or less awful because of the tooling at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Now, the, here's one of the really cool things about Microsoft. Going to big up Microsoft for a minute. Um, in the years since the olden the Microsoft olden days, their approach to like open source, their approach to um, tooling for every like for platforms other than Windows has been absolutely tremendous. So for a good few years now you've been able to uh, uh brew install .net um basically install .NET on any uh, .net it's called .net core i think D- install .NET on any machine linux mac like obviously windows cuz you know it's primarily built for that but yeah you'd hope so <laughs> you know back in the day you could only get it for windows and that was kind of made me a, made me a bit kind of put me off it but now you can quite easily and really nicely install .net for any platform they open sourced the .NET like core stuff years ago and um, they support a really good community behind it. I think they also support like Microsoft also do a lot of really good support for TypeScript community and obviously they bought GitHub and VS Code is a big deal too so um, yeah there's some pretty like I mean it used to be when I, when I got into IT 2008 like Microsoft was such a bad word and over the years, they've they've done some really really cool stuff, and this has been a really interesting little segue into how, oft, yeah. into how awesome Microsoft is. We Everyone loves Microsoft, Microsoft
0: on YouTube. Yeah, if only you could comment on Spotify, get on our TikTok, and tag Microsoft uh, because um, you know we we want to get paid. We want to get we want to get <laughs> some of that Microsoft money.
1: <laughs> it's not just that. I just think like Microsoft's cool. Like, and I can't believe I'm saying that because you know, like me, twenty years ago, would just be like, oh, it's the devil, you know. But um, but well, it's, it's
0: awesome. good to change it's your awesome. opinions, right? Like you know. Yeah, it, definitely. Uh, what What was it you said a while ago? Strong opinions, loosely held.
1: Yeah, I probably did say that. It's a cl- It's a classic senior software engineer thing, right? <laughs> like you've got, a, you know, that's, that's one of the tenets to becoming a senior software engineer. It's very difficult to do. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so back to the the tech stuff. Um, that kind of rant there earlier on was basically just um, about how we should try and make things. What, what we call loosely coupled um and what does that mean okay so have you ever written a card game a command line based card game yeah have. it wasn't a yeah. well
0: it was a card game but it was a um, probability calculator uh and poker okay. simulator um to try and make me a uh, vegas billionaire and um okay cool right yeah did you, you have it I'm, like i was running you're on the not ve- like, you're not well, a vegas gonna,
1: billionaire i thought that you were i, I am still I thought you just it. done this for <laughs> kicks
0: i'm still in a flat in edinburgh right now so i think you know how that ended Um, edinburgh's an expensive city mate (laughs) yeah that's true yeah that is true to be fair um but uh yeah it did not did not make me millions but it was a useful learning experience basically yeah i i more or less refreshed myself on python uh using it and it it was a yeah in short i i have built one yes sorry what were you gonna say
1: (laughs) Nah, it's cool it's good good to know so When you built it, did you make it so that when like the bits of the code that done the calculations, the logic-y bits and all the rest of it, did that do the printing out? Or did you have the printing out separate from the calculation part, if that makes any sense?
0: So I went through that process that you discussed actually (laughs) earlier where it was a uh, a mishmash mess, and I think it literally was one giant method. Um, Yeah. It was horrible. Uh, And then, yeah, I did – I kind of – I want to say it was very deliberate how I built the scaffolding by doing it in one like big method and then split it out. Mm-hmm. But in reality, I just panicked when I looked at it and thought this is useless. And like, God knows if I if I if I look back on this a day later and don't understand it, you know, if God forbid I walk outside and I do get hit by the uh, by the sixteen bus uh, and you have to look <laughs> at it uh, <laughs> to to try and yeah. do what I could not do and, and win those win those billions in Vegas. Are you going to understand my spaghetti code? No, because it wasn't it wasn't separated enough, and um, you know, yeah. and stuff wasn't abided by the solid principles. So, yeah, eventually it it did migrate towards that, and I think that comes with experience a little bit, but it's always something worth definitely
1: does. With. It definitely does. Like, it's it's really hard to go from I have just learned to code and feel that you're pretty actually pretty confident with it and able to do some really cool stuff, and then it runs and it works, and you go, well, hey it's difficult to go from that to i have written this piece of code which is re- extendable reusable testable it mm-hmm. conforms to all the solid principles like that takes then that's really that's a really big takeaway from from this episode by the way folks that takes the rest of your career to do that like there's days where i grab I, uh, I write some stuff and i look at it and go oh no that's not quite right and i refactor i have to refactor it a, a few times before it's exactly how you want it to be in terms of in terms of that stuff and then it'll go to pr review and somebody will go actually you you should split that into two methods because that's one you've just written you've just written something this big and you it needs to be you want you really want two things that big rather than one thing this big and because it's easier it's ideally easier to read but the point i'm going to make about the card game one is is one of my favorite points um that i learned teaching at code clan we uh used to do card game Uh, stuff uh get get the students to write card games and the big big mistake they always make is they go straight in and they write a bunch of logic and then they have like the console.logs or if you're in js and system.outs if you're in java it was mostly java um inside the logic whereas what you really want and that's called tightly that's called tightly coupling and there's that's just one example of what of tightly coupling is but what tightly coupled means is that if you've got two, if you've got two like pieces of logic or two functions, two methods, two classes, two some things. Um, it could even be two parts of your program that are spread across multiple classes or modules or files. And if they interact in some way and you and you can't run one without the other, that means that it's tightly coupled. Um in this case, for example. We couldn't run most students code it in such a way that you can't run the logic and not see all the printout stuff. Now, the question then becomes, Is what do you what how what if you come turn around after you've built that and say, I want you to make this this game, this like card game that's like let's say it's a poker card game that right now you're controlling on the command line with little commands and like a little you know, like shuffle command or whatever, and deal card command or whatever. And then you go from that to make this controllable via a REST API. At that point, like that really sends the students like, oh my God, what? how the hell am I going to do that? And then the challenge is I don't want to see any output from the, com- the console.logs. So they've got to go and rip all the console.logs out and they've got to figure out a way to call that logic, but still get back the data in such a way that they know what the prints should be. And it's like, it's a really interesting one about, about loose versus tight coupling. And this is the difference between coding and software engineering, right? This is just one of the, this is just one of the differences. Um, And there's so many uh, on, on this kind of level stuff that we, that we could talk about the solid principles, the loose versus tight coupling. Um, If you build any sort of like any, any sort of system and you've got the, Let's say you've got the bit, uh, the bit that sends the data to the user, like the front end code, the UI code. If you've got the database code or the data, and if you've got the logic that drives it, if you've got that all intermingled and intertwined, it's going to be really hard to take that code and then extend it. And you might be able to extend it, and but it's what's probably going to happen is somebody else in your team is going to come along, come along, look at the spaghetti try and figure out how you've done it and then just essentially copy and paste what the last person done and then what's happening is you're compounding upon bad mistakes so that bad mistake that bad design decision, just gets propagated more and more and more into the end of the code basin and that's why it's really important to care because you're building this for your customer you're building this for your end user stakeholder over time those software engineering practices are going to cause bugs and They'll inevitably inevitably cause problems in the system, and new features just become harder and harder to write. And here's what happens: is that clutch becomes an undesirable to look at piece of code that nobody in your team is going to want to look at. And eventually, your engineers will start to resent that code. So it's just so important that that when you write code, that you're writing it in a clean way. You're writing it. You're writing it in a way that you're making sure that. It, that you think at least it can be extended and reused and modified um but that discipline will take a long time to master it will take a long time to become an expert on that um if if ever right like like cuz it it takes it takes a long long time to be able to get to that level
0: yeah so people shouldn't worry if they're feeling like oh yeah. I'm not taking every single box here like a lot of, you know, straight up, like yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying like the entire, you know, a 35 odd minutes and I'm not saying, oh, I didn't know that. Like, I'm already learning a lot from, from this. Like, I'm not going to keep interrupting you um, while, while you're explaining something, but I'm already learning a lot. And, you know, I'm someone who's been in the industry a little while. Um, so if, you know, if you're just learning at the moment, like, don't panic about this, but it's something worth Good keeping point. in mind um, yeah. as, you, as, you, as you grow, because you're going to become an effective and. Uh, and then so you you become a senior developer far far before um, most people. If you learn these principles early on and try and apply uh-huh. them to what you're working on, and don't worry if you don't get them perfectly the first time. Like it's great if you're even trying to do things like simplify and split up your code. Um, if you're mm-hmm. still in the learning process, like you know, um, just just keep it in mind, but don't like freak out over it.
1: Definitely, and I've seen that happen. I've seen I've seen me like spend a week or two weeks teaching people the SOLID principles. And they go off and go do their projects. This is when I was an instructor and they'd like try and burst out every single solid principle. And they'd be like, they come to me like crying and tearing their hair out. Going like, I don't understand. I can't get all, I need, I need all of the solid principles. I was like, dude, you don't need all of the solid principles just like, cause it's a bit of balance, right? I keep hitting mm. this thing. Sorry about that. It's a bit, it's a balance, right? Like if you, th- you know i don't make interfaces for every single and and my code at work right i don't make interfaces for every single class because not everyone's going to use those classes so why make interfaces for them you know so the interface segregation principles just gets thrown out the window like in most days you know so you know just take take everything with a pinch of salt try and do your best try and get people to one one really good way to tip to like learning this stuff is is really just to get people's feedback. You know, find somebody an engineer in your organization that you that you think is is going to be somebody who's effective at giving you this kind of feedback and say, look, could I've written this any better? Um, and that's just one quick point about code reviews. If if you're a junior software engineer and you're and you're and you're putting up PRs and people are going LGTM, looks good to me. Yep, brilliant, 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 brilliant for every single PR. And um, that's can be a little bit worrying i would try and get a little bit mm-hmm. more feedback on that because nine times out of ten there is something you could probably do to improve and it might be that the person who read it either just didn't read it or read it and thought actually i'm not going to bother him with this because it's really just nitpicking but sometimes if you want to try and improve things like your your the loose coupling and tight coupling in your code and your reusability and your clean code and your testability and your solid principles and all that sort of stuff you're better to ask someday and be like, look, what would be the is there an even better way I could, could do this and just try and keep asking? Yeah,
0: I um, totally agree with that. That's great advice.
1: Yeah. Then the second part we're gonna quickly, quickly talk about, and um, don't have much time to talk about this one, but definitely worth mentioning. And that is kind of a bit more of like my opinion of of a modern software engineer and and it's kinda it's kinda true, but be, becoming a uh, a software engineer like today, it's very important to understand this. I think because it's not just about coding, and this is why, this is why coding is not software engineering, but software engineering. Have I got that right. What way around is it? Coding <laughs> is not. I think if we decide the way around, yeah, coding is yeah, not software
0: engineering. But, software engineering is the same thing.
1: Yeah, but software engineering is. Yeah, you have it, to code to do software engineering. Yeah. To do software engineering, yeah, um, but you can't do software engineering without coding. Um, but coding on its like on its own isn't software engineering, and that's that's the big point, right? And the reason for that is because today, you know, we've got you got engineers that specialize in front end. You get engineers that specialize in back end. You you get more and more companies to, these days that don't really care whether you're front end or back end. They just want an engineer. They just want a software mm-hmm. engineer. They want a developer. It's the same thing. And um, some places call that "Oh, I want a full stack," or "I'm I am a full stack engineer." And um, actually, many of the, those activities across both front end and back end, tons and tons and tons of them are for 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 software engineers are not are not like how do I get better at writing code? They're not code problems. It's not like it's not algorithm exercises. It's not even solid principles. It's not object oriented design. It's things like. How do I build a really suitable like com- uh, continuous integration and continuous deployment uh, system? How do I use the the Git like get or whatever effectively? How do I use that in a, such a way that it can stuff can be deployed? Um, configuration management, which is a whole other thing in software engineering, where you like are talking about configuring the services and servers the correct way, making sure that the dev code the dev, the dev, the dev branch connects to the the dev site, which connects to the dev server. With you know, it's all configured correctly. Then you've got a thing called observability, which is huge in modern software engineering. It's all about how do we monitor our systems in the wild. How do we make sure that, like, we know that we're running, we're running like the service across thirty five different machines. Has one of those machines went down? Is is there has there been an error in that application somewhere like what if the payment system like or the email system wasn't able to handle some requests for a while how do you know so observability is is a is a principle around around making sure that your stuff runs yeah. but you know about it and there's that, tons that's of so really cool important tools. stuff
0: like payments yeah like, um She's not suffering everything, engineer, but uh I was talking to my girlfriend about this a, a while ago and one of one of her favorite um like uh like either fashion or, or like cosmetics e commerce sites like had a massive glitch where oh, no. basically everyone was getting ninety percent off. Like uh so oh, everyone everyone nice. got ninety percent off no matter what you put in your basket. And people were saving hundreds and hundreds. Sorry Bad if light. there's a food process going on in the background. Um So, people are saving hundreds of pounds basically by putting in these codes because they obviously hadn't observed it. um, And it went on for like over a day, which is really bad. And I imagine the company, they, they, they honored it, but the company lost millions um so you know fair play whoever that was but uh yeah not um not great it shows the importance of having something like datadog um you know yeah get, get, get the dog tracking uh, and uh, mm-hmm. they'll find those errors like uh for example today i uh deliberately broke something and didn't realize that uh it would log all over in datadog and there would be slack alerts and stuff but uh here we are <laughs> oh no it's all right i explained what i did um that's the other thing as well if you mess something up just own up to it and explain what happened. Yeah. Um, that, that's an important lesson that we don't have on here, but it's something we, we would always <laughs> emphasize, I think.
1: <laughs> Definitely. And just for context there, Datadog is a tool that helps you with observability. It helps you see what's going on in your application out in the wild. Uh, it's a really, really useful tool. Another thing Datadog helps you do is it helps you track metrics. So let's say that you want to know every time someone puts a product in their basket or you want to know um how many times a cache gets missed which means that uh, the value is not read from the cache and it's read from the the slow thing um or whatever you know you can you can set up metrics and you can have them send out to something like datadog and like you can have them increment a counter, you know to see oh this cache has been missed like 100 times in the last day and that kind of comes into this observability piece and another one the other big big job that the modern software engineer has to do is system design um what is system design well there's a whole episode we could do on that but basically you know will calls from our mobile app crash the back end um are there enough services there to like keep that running like do we need a load balancer in there do we need a different kind of database in there like um should we have a database one per one service or shared between multiple Secret answer: The answer is never share database to multiple services. How do we, how do we take pressure off the system? How do we design it in such a way that it's not going to fall over? And if it does, there's resiliency. And and um, you know, you there is when you become a kind of lead or senior software engineer. One of the interview uh, questions that you might get at that level is design me, uh, Twitter. Design me. Instagram, and what that means is you basically have to like know enough about, you know, how the big pieces, building blocks of, of of infrastructure fit together to be able to design something like that, and that's a lot. uh that's that often happens to even you know, even some places that ask front end engineers, how would you design X? Because there's an expectation for, for how systems that should be built to be known by everyone, um you know, how would, how would you design Instagram? And they're not saying, they're not saying, I want you to go and design Instagram right now. That's not what they're saying. You don't go in an interview and ex- no one expects you to like sit there and start coding and like building Instagram. That's absolutely nuts. But what they do sometimes expect at these kind of level interviews is they want you to be able to go, okay, well, um, Instagram, let's say it gets like a 100,000 hits a day. And that's, uh it's maybe it's got like a million images those all have to get uploaded somewhere it has to be fast so it should be like a cache or it has to be it doesn't have to be that fast or whatever it is you decide you've kind of got to make these little design decisions Mm -hmm. you've got to like do i want a redis cache here do i want a database here what kind of database do i want here and kind of got to know the difference between like your sql database your no sql database like you've got to know about then you can i just chuck a database cluster in there and tons and tons and tons of really 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 cool and interesting things like that so big takeaway from that kind of that piece so the the old-fashioned and still very current kind of concept of a software of a software engineer of software engineering is it's not just coding because you're you're essentially uh you're essentially an architect of code but you also have to be an architect of systems and processes and and practices and best practice across observability, system design, system architecture, CI/CD, and in some organisations, some of those responsibilities are like chopped up and passed around to different people. You know, for example, you'll have heard of DevOps, and some organisations they have DevOps like dedicated people who ha- handle all the like running of the services they handle the deployment of the services they handle the continuous delivery and continuous integration of those services but my advice is to try and understand as much about all of that as possible try and give yourself the best chance of becoming like an absolutely brilliant like software engineer and the very very final point i'll make is and i i I call myself this is i just call myself a software engineer i don't call myself a full stack software engineer i don't call myself a front-end software engineer like i am suppose technically full stack because i believe that if someone says i'm a software engineer they should be able to do almost anything that someone asks them to but it takes kind of like a little bit more kind of like uh, experience to help people get to that level where they can deal with any problem that gets thrown at them and um, but that's kind of where i think that's where you should want to be as a software engineer rather than Ah yeah, I know bits about this and bits about that and that's great, but I'm not willing to learn or not willing to come out of my comfort zone and kinda and kind of learn that. So yeah, there's definitely definitely good advice in some of that, I think
0: yeah absolutely i mean i've just literally just been mentally thinking now man i think i can make about 50 tiktok clips of this so thank you for making my job easier um <laughs> on, on that side of things but yeah i mean i think this some is of that was of pure
1: drivel. The- i'm not gonna lie <laughs> <laughs> well
0: it's sounded good from my side mate and i think this is one of those ones where um you know don't be afraid to go back and maybe listen to this especially if you're learning now don't be afraid to go back and listen to this again uh in a few months time because i do think a lot of this um is uh you know it's well this is evergreen right so you know always come back because i feel like there's different levels to the advice here that you can learn from and yeah i thought that was awesome colin thanks um thanks so much for preparing all of this that's uh well, there's really plenty cool.
1: more opinions where that came from we can just keep talking <laughs> if we cool, another man. episode after this
0: sounds good and uh, sorry to ask you this off the cuff on air but um if maybe we Absolutely. could do some kind of blog post on this as well i think that would be, yeah, that'd be, uh, that'd be awesome yeah but yeah um, i want to thank the audience for tuning in um, and please do join our discord as well if you want to chat with me and colin it's one of those discord servers you know a lot of people plug their discord and there's like twenty thousand people on there you're never going to chat to the people that run the show we're still a small show and we really listen to all the support that, uh, and uh, advice and feedback that we get so you know just jump mm-hmm. on there have a chat with us um you know we're both nice guys and uh the members on discord uh, are really a friendly bunch as well and people have learned a lot and been really celebrating people's wins recently with getting jobs our members are great job. yeah they're, like, they're all shout so out great.
1: to our members particularly shout out to louise that helps everyone with their cv <laughs> um thanks louise we love you um there's so many good people on there we want people to like um come on and give us some chat and get a bit of help and um yeah we're dead keen to, for people to join so it's uh the com slash discord and just stick in your name and address, your name and your name and email, and we'll, we'll, we'll. You can join the Discord, no problem. And um, yeah, we're really keen to grow that and get lots and lots of people in there, build and build a little community around it.
0: Absolutely. And uh, thank you for listening as well. If you haven't come across us before, as we just said, pl- um, follow us on Discord. Check out the other social channels we mentioned, and we will see you every other Monday. See you soon. Cheers. Cheers.